I grew up in a church that did a lot of up and down, up and down. So let's stand up again. It's, you know, it's kind of in my blood. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want us to stand for this. We are going to once again recite the Nicene Creed as we did last week. This is one of the two main creeds of the uh, uh, of the Christian church, the one being the Apostles' Creed and this one being the Nicene Creed. Can anybody tell me the difference we talked about last week between the two creeds? What is the main difference? <laughs> anybody? Okay. okay, the Apostles' Creed uh, was the first one, and it was written from the apostles' teachings. It wasn't written by the apostles, but it was based on their teachings. The Nicene Creed came by, came uh, a little bit later, and it came, it, it, uh, the main difference is it emphasizes more the ministry of Jesus and the identity of Jesus, of, you know, who Christ is, because there had been some heresies uh, that began creeping into the church, and this was Council of Churches got together, and this was written in order to combat those heresies. So uh, this, along with the Apostles' Creed, are two of the main creeds. And a creed is just a statement of faith, really. It's what we believe uh, historically as a church. So let's go ahead and let's recite this together. Everybody ready? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Did that good and strong. I love that. I love that. Well, last week we started a series in which we are answering one of the or answering the question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, and the question has to do with the person of Jesus, who he is. And uh, uh, we're basing or taking this series, or springboarding rather, off of Matthew 16, verses 13 through 15. So I want to read it for us to refresh our memories. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? That's the question that each one of us will have to answer one day. We can avoid it all our lives. We can not deal with it all our lives. But one day we are going to have to answer that question. And it's a question which we would do well to figure out our answer before the day that, that we stand before Jesus and he asks us, who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? Because the answer that we give will have been determined determined before that time. We can't decide at that moment, okay, now I'm going to say it. The answer that we, that, we, uh, uh, that we give will have already been determined by our lives before that time. So today our focus is going to be on a particular phrase in verse 13 where Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. As you read through the Gospels, you, real, you, you begin to see that, that really Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man more than any other term. In fact, 78 times in the four Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. It's his favorite title for himself. So as we continue our series on who is Jesus, today we're looking at Jesus, the Son of Man. When Jesus refers to this term, he's referring specifically to a reference from the Old Testament book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a book of prophecy. Okay, so as you read through it, if you ever read it, you know, the stories of, of uh, uh, Daniel in the lion's den and the uh, three Hebrews that were thrown into the fiery furnace and those stories, those are from the book of Daniel. It's a prophetic book. It's filled with prophetic dreams and visions and prophetic language. And um, it can be a little uh, challenging to understand its time, but yet it is so rich and there's so much in there if we read it. There are things you'll get right away on the surface. There are other things as you dig into a little more, you begin to get uh, uh, even, even greater understanding of it. Now, in the beginning of chapter 7, Daniel tells of, of, uh, says that he had a dream and visions. And in this dream and these visions, he saw four kingdoms or four empires that he talks about that would arise in the future. And they're symbolized by beasts, four different beasts. And he describes some of the characteristics of those kingdoms that, that were going to arise. And after he describes the first, four, the first three, then he begins to describe the fourth one. And the fourth kingdom uh, is going to, by his description, is going to be more terrifying and more frightening than any of the kingdoms before it. Now, I say terrifying. And I'm, say, frightening because without Jesus, yes, they absolutely are. But with Jesus, we have nothing that we need fear. 
when he is Lord of our lives and he is living in us because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. So when these things come upon the earth, believers, I'm not saying they're gonna, we're going to have it you know, easy. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But God will give us the strength and God will uphold us and be there to be everything that we need him to be. So, but these, this fourth kingdom is going to be something uh, quite frightening uh, to those without Jesus, without a solid relationship with him. And he talks about a federation of ten states that forms around this fourth ruler. And, uh, and, you know, how terrible the fourth ruler would be. And then Daniel writes this. After going into that, these four kingdoms, he writes this in Daniel 7, starting in verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So, in this vision where he, where he, you know, he, he talks about these four kingdoms, and the, these, this, this you know, fourth ruler is one that in particular is just totally a bad dude. Then he looks and he sees someone in the form of a human being who comes in with the clouds, and the person he sees is Jesus. Two things here that point to this person, this one like a son of man, he calls him, that um, a couple of things that uh, point to this being Jesus. And uh, actually a few things. One, he was in the form of a human being. He was in the form of a man. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the Word of God, and we saw that the Word, who John tells us is God, who was with God in the beginning and is God, took on human flesh and became man. And that's Jesus is the Word that became flesh. So Jesus is God in the flesh, and while he never ceased being God, he was also now Fully man. Fully man. Jesus lived his life as a perfect, sinless human being. Do you realize that? Sometimes we think of, oh, Jesus, you know, he's, he's God, so of course he was able to do this. Of course he, you know, he, he didn't do this and he did do this. But the reality is while he was fully God, he was also fully man and he walked in the power of a man that was empowered by the holy spirit he i mean he he could have used his prerogative as 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 god to to do things but he laid that prerogative aside he laid that aside he didn't stop being god he was always still god but he laid that aside and said i'm walking now in the power of a man as a full human being the miracles 
the signs and wonders that he did. He did by the power of the Holy Spirit, not out of his godhood, if I can make up a word. You know, it wasn't out of his godhood. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the same Holy Spirit which empowers us when we do what we did a moment ago and pray for the sick. It's not us that does it. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does, and it's the same Holy Spirit through which Jesus turned water into wine, through which he sealed, you know, healed the leper, through which he you know, uh, gave sight to the blind man. Same Holy Spirit. And if you read the Gospels, you'll see that his first miracle, where he turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana, that came after the Holy Spirit descended on him at his baptism. He did no miracles before that time. So he lived as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the description, one like a son of man, refers to Jesus' humanity. The second thing that points to this person being Jesus, the son of man being Jesus, is that he was more than just a man. He was more than just a man. Daniel says he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all the nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. And his dominion was, uh, uh, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now as you read that, the Ancient of Days is God the Father. Okay, it's a term that appears only three times in Scripture, and all three are in this chapter, chapter 7 of Daniel, uh, uh, three times, and it's a, it's a reference to God being eternal. And then, one like a son of man, while this one like a son of man is spoken of as a man, he is obviously not an ordinary man. He is more than that. This person was given authority and sovereign authority, glory, and sovereign power. Jesus said, "All authority has been given unto me, and now I give it to you." So Jesus was given authority; he was given glory and sovereign power. This person was worshipped by the people of all nations. Jesus receives worship. And one day every knee and every uh, every knee will bow before him and worship him. Those that believed in him and worshipped him in this lifetime, as well as those who did not believe in him and refused to worship him, they will all bow their knee to Jesus one day. So, you know, he 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 was worshipped and Jesus receives worship. His kingdom will encompass. All nations, all peoples of every language, and it will never pass away. So this ruler that is coming after this wicked, after this evil, after this terrifying fourth ruler that Daniel speaks about, here comes one like a son of man who is Jesus. And he goes in and he is going to set up and establish his kingdom, and we already have a taste of it now because 
his kingdom, Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, said it is among you, it was begun, but it's not fully consummated yet. It's inaugurated, but not fully here. And that's why we live in the struggle, the tension between you know, the, 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 what's already here and what's not yet here, what's going to be here fully, but yet we struggle in that time in the middle because that kingdom that is coming is not fully here yet. But on this day, Jesus will come and fully establish his kingdom. So the Son of Man that, that, that is talked about here, the Son of Man, you can see why, you know, it, it, it refers to Jesus. And that's why Jesus is his favorite title. You know, he even asked the disciples, who, who do people say the Son of Man is? Then he says, who do you say I am? You know, in other words, He's claiming to be, he's a, a receiving that title, Son of Man. Another thing in this passage that points to Jesus is in verse 13, which says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds in heaven. In Mark 13, 26, Jesus, speaking of himself, said at that time, People will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. In similar fashion, in Matthew 24, 29, and 30, Jesus says, immediately after the distress of those days, it's talking about this great, terrible time of tribulation that's going to uh, come on the earth. It says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see, in other words, mourn, why will they mourn? Because they will recognize we failed to acknowledge who he is. We failed to put our faith in him. We failed to believe in him. And then it's going to be too late. And he says, we'll mourn when they see the Son of Man coming how? Coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then Revelation 1-7, again, speaking of Jesus, says, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. So the one like a son of man that Daniel saw in his vision is in the form of a man. And yet he's so much more than just a man. He lived and walked and worked in the power of his human or in, in all his humanness by the power of the Holy Spirit. But in his identity, he was both God as well as man. We saw last week he was the word of God who was with God in all eternity past and is God. And Daniel says he saw him coming in the clouds or with the clouds of heaven. And that's how Jesus is going to return. There can be no doubt that the person referred to in Daniel's prophecy is Jesus. Jesus recognized himself as the one that Daniel prophesied about, and therefore his favorite title of himself was the Son of Man. Now, 
Why is this, all of this important? It's important because it speaks of his humanity and as one who is fully human. Jesus understands what it's like to be human. He understands our struggles. He understands the things that we that we struggle with and the difficulties we we face, the times we hit our head against a wall and just you know, he how, when it when it's hard, he understands that. He knows when things are going well and he knows when when you're struggling to hold on. And since he's been there and made it through in victory, he can help you and I to make it through the toughest times as well when we hold on to him. He knows what it's like when we come to him and say, Father or Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm hurting right now or I'm confused right now. I don't understand this. He knows what it's like. When others talk about us, yep, I know what that's like. They talked about me too. When others reject us, yep, I know that pain of rejection. They rejected me too. My own people rejected me. So he identifies with us in his humanity, and therefore he can help us through the things that we struggle with. Secondly, it's important because we need to know he's coming back, and he's coming back to rule. When he returns, he will set up his kingdom, and we want to be ready. As this world deteriorates and gets worse and worse, and this world system drifts farther and farther than anything that even looks like or resembles what God had in store when he created the earth and created mankind, it can become easy to, be, it, it, to, to become discouraged. And when to begin to wonder is, are things ever going to change? Is it going to always be like this? Are things ever going to change? And wonder if things are ever going to get better. And the answer to that is yes. Because Jesus is coming back. And when he does, it will be in glory. And he will rule with authority and with power. He will take over the kingdoms of this earth the kingdom in this world, and he will vanquish the enemy. That fourth king, vanquished like that. And he will establish his kingdom, and his kingdom will have no end. He will rule with justice, and he will rule in righteousness. So as you're watching the news, instead of asking yourself, man, can things get any worse than they are right now? Instead of looking at that question, know that there is a day coming when Jesus is going to take his throne and all will be made right. And all who follow him will rule with him. But don't just stop with knowing that. Tell yourself that. Yes, 
it is going to be. It's, it's going to all work out one day. Jesus is coming back. He's set up his kingdom. And yes, it's, you know, it's, it's all going to be worked out. Everything, you know, it's all going to be made right. But then in addition with reminding yourself of that, live in expectation of that day in eagerly, eager anticipation, eagerly awaiting that day when the Son of Man appears in the clouds, comes and establishes his kingdom, a kingdom that will have no end, that will never be conquered, never be defeated, and then live in a state of readiness, ready for his return, whether it's in the next hour or whether it's decades away. Here's the thing. You know, I think all of us, if we knew that Jesus was going to come back, it's 10.53 now, if we knew he was going to come back at 11.30, wouldn't that change the way we spend the next 37 minutes, now 36, because time is constantly ticking away? Wouldn't that change what we do? Have we ever thought, though, there's lots of time. He's not coming back for a long time. Here's the thing. We don't know. We can't put dates on it. We can't put time. I can't sit here and say he's coming in the next two years. Because I don't know that. Neither can I say. Uh, you know, it's not going to affect us. We're 100 years away from that. We can't say that either. See, the truth is none of us knows when he's coming back. What we do know is that he is coming back. And when he does, he's going to rule with justice and in righteousness. I want to ask you right now, is there an area of your life that you need to surrender to him. An heir of your life that if he did come back right now, you would say, whoop, I meant to clean that room out and I didn't. I want to say don't put it off. Just surrender to him now. Maybe it's your whole life. Maybe you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus. Thing is, he is coming back. We don't know when. We don't know if it's soon or a long time off. And people have tried figuring that out for as long as I've been saved. People have, you know, in 78, people were saying, let's come back, you know, anytime. Could be anytime. Could be. I don't know. So that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is when he does, we want to be ready. So the time to prepare is now. And it's not just so that we don't get, you know, to use a saying I don't know if you can use in church, get caught with your pants down. You know, it's, it's, it's I, you know, I'm not just saying that. It's like, man, when you surrender your life to Jesus, that's when life makes sense. That's when, you know, it's, it's not just one day being in heaven. It's living with him now here on this earth. My life's totally different than it was in 78, July of 78. Let's say the 24th, yeah, it's coming up real quick. The anniversary of my giving my life to Jesus, saying yes to him. And I've never regretted it for a minute.
So the time to prepare is now. Turn your life, your joys and your sorrows, your, your successes and your sin, your wants and your will, your hands and your heart, everything. Give it to him and let him give you life, life like you've never known. Let's pray. I invite you to just pray along silently or under your breath or however you want with me. Lord Jesus, Son of Man, I'm surrendering my life to you now. The parts I've held back, I want to give them all to you. My struggles, I surrender them to you. My hopes and dreams, I surrender them to you. My successes, as well as my failures, I'm surrendering them to you now. My sins and my shortcomings, I'm giving them to you. Take my life and lead me in your resurrection power. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus, who rose from the dead and lives to give me life. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that, and just now are giving your life to him, all I want you to do is tell somebody sometime today. Let them know. Let's stand. <clears throat> to prepare our hearts to receive the benediction, the blessing. Now may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.